Hello and welcome to Starter Set. My name Ed Sylvester. This is just me in a room. Um, unfortunately, ah, oh, it's just it's one of those things. Um, unfortunately, we've had some real technical issues today, so the internet uh, where Ollie is is just not behaving. We've tried to record this week's episode four to five times now. Um, and, well, it, it's become somewhat impossible. So, instead, um, I've slapped the microphone on because I kind of want to bring you guys some content, especially as we've had a little bit of a break and thing, uh, and make sure that, you know, you know that, number one, we're not just sort of like slowly but surely drifting into the world of obscurity and then just disappear. So, here I am. I don't really know the uh, breakdown of the show this week, but um, I figure... Well, I'm just going to riff it out as it goes, and we'll see what happens. Um, with that... Ooh. So, <clears throat> there may be some spoilers, I'm sure. Um, and I think... I think I'll, I think I'll start just by talking about a little bit around something that I've been feeling with uh, D&D in general. Um, and 5e and all that sort of stuff, or, or D&D 1 whatever you want to call it because uh, like yeah that's that's you know that's what our bread and butter of this show is realistically um and I don't know if there are anybody if there's anybody else out there feeling this or or, or in a similar situation it might be that you know you you've come to the show for the whole starter set thing and and hopefully you've done what me and Sam when we first set this show up to do is you've listened to it and now you play it regularly but I'm I'm finding myself I'm finding it difficult to be excited by 5th edition Wizards products these days. Um, and I mean this in the sort of like... Uh, I mean, I say that. I've literally pre-ordered Baldur's Gate, which technically is in the in the same sort of world as a lot of them. They're all Faerun and all that. And as much as the D&D movie was a bit of a cash grab, but also... Ah, uh, they kind of did the job of describing what a D&D campaign is. It wasn't the best film, but ultimately when you break down D&D stories, they're not they're not amazing amazing stories because I think for you to be able to experience amazing amazing stories, you need to have um omnipotence. You know what I mean? You can't have to to create the extremes that's required, you need to have full trust from your players. Um, and even all the best players in the world can do whatever they want to do, but as soon as you start putting agency into other people's hands, you can't plan sufficient workarounds, you know what I mean? You don't know where they're going to be, so you can't write a story that is, as far as an entertainment piece goes, incredible. I've digressed, but hey, look, that's what this show, I suppose, technically is about, because it's just me, uh, yeah, doing this. Um... So yeah, back to 5e. And this might be why I find myself um, looking at other systems, looking at other areas. I don't know if there's if there's other... Um, I mean, it might be that it's just that that as an experience is somewhat feeling a little bit contrived because I've, play, you know, I've played a... Well, years now worth of games. Maybe not years, but if you sort of take in the time, definitely months worth I've sat at a table and played this game D&D &D. 
Um, and I'm trying to figure out where the like miscommunication is, like why potentially I'm not as into it in terms of my enjoyment levels. Like I, and it also might be this as well is <clears throat> when you start something, you have that like discovery phase where you figure it all out and you, in, and you, and everything is new and then you start to lean into it and you become somewhat, um, knowledge and uh, knowledgeable in, in what it is and how it works and then you kind of get to a position where you want to start experiencing more things and maybe instead of the experience of the thing itself in this case playing a game of D&D then becomes more of a uh, an exercise of I guess analytics and and doing that third party thing of going okay why is this good why does this work what like what's what's happening here how can I think about what a story looks like? So instead of actually playing the game, you're studying it more. And maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> collective listeners, thank you, because I think realistically what I'm now doing is lying down on a shay long and you're all sitting there going like, mm-hmm, take notes. Tell me about how that made you feel. Um, maybe it's just that that I need to just get back to playing the game in my head. Does that make sense? It probably does. Well, I hope it does, because at least then, yeah, this is somewhat of an idea and a thought process. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the thing. I've also not actually played a D&D game, like, like proper, for quite a while now. Um, like, I meet a lot of people that, that are in that and within those games and all those kinds of things, but actually sitting down and playing a game, it has been some time. So... Maybe I need to um, go back somewhat and then and re rediscover the key points, if that makes sense. And I'm not talking monks here. The key points, the 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 real base level. Because when I look at D and D now, and compared to like where it was a few years ago, the options are huge. And I think sometimes too many options does kind of killer thing you know what i mean like when it was when we had our first six or seven races and then some more races came out it was like yeah that's cool i can figure all that out and then we get more and more and we've started to see like more and more subclasses because it's a product because that's what wizards want to do they want to make money so they need to create more stuff and i think because i've not been playing 5e proper i've been playing beowulf which i'm enjoying and i'm loving doing these shows it means that i've somewhat fallen behind so maybe it's just that i'm discovering that my subject matter expertise is somewhat limited again i need to go back and start re-experiencing that huh interesting um well look, that's that's like that that's something that's kind of been on my mind especially with D recently um that's why maybe you've been hearing me talk about some other systems some other interesting pieces that i've been looking at um I've been playing more of that Wild Sea D&D, not Wild Sea D&D, Wild Sea Tabletop RPG, fantastic, really loving that. Um, it w- uses the Blades in the Dark system of dice rolling and the way that it sort of figures stuff out and the storytelling is way more um, on a collective experience, um, which the players, I think, I mean... Uh, this is where your players and your DMs or DMs who want to be players or players who want to be DMs. I think the system that we see in Blades in the Dark and that might not be 
I don't actually know if it's a specific system. Yeah, no, it is a specific. It's called a 2D6 system. That's it. I think that means that your players and your DMs and your DMs who want to be players can all kind of get involved because you all collectively describe things, and that's really nice. I think it's a bit of a shock sometimes to people who aren't used to that and just going sitting down and being like, right, DM, tell me what I do, and then I can respond, and you have to kind of come with a little different headspace, but worth looking at. Um, You've probably, because I've talked about it, you might have already done a little bit of research. I mean, it doesn't take long to look stuff up on your phone these days. So, yeah, have a look at that. Blades in the Dark and Wild Sea, if you're kind of in a weird... RPG malaise, like myself. Um, That being said, and this is probably where spoilers are going to come into it, I want to talk a little bit about the influences of this story that we have with Normanda um, and how that's going to come to fruition. Um, Potentially a little bit of what what's actually going on and where things are coming from um i don't know how long i'm going to talk about this so i'm gonna say if you're listening to this and you don't want spoilers then skip ahead five minutes and i'll and i'll make that set thing so that's five minutes from now okay so story-wise normander and approaching this campaign um I wanted to do something that lent more on the not Nordic side, but that kind of cross between the two histories where we see where we see Christianity and and ancient pagans and, and Nordic religions kind of come more together and then think about how because obviously history is written by the victors and the victors typically now or or at one point would have been uh, the Christian faith, and they wanted to then get a, you know, a Christian king, and the idea that a king is somebody chosen by God, which, if you're coming from a position where you have kings, and they've not been chosen by God, how do you then get that to, you know, come to fruition, right? And you do that, obviously, by either storytelling or unfortunately like killing a load of people so that their stories don't get told and whatever you say is correct which nine times out of ten unfortunately in history is the way things have been done um but i was reading a reading a book recently which i can't remember the title of or the author which is awful and doesn't help you as a listener in any way shape or form but it's done by um a professor she's done a few books now i think i think think she's done two or three but she talks about um and she does these uh really lovely um prints that's it um of images from these stories and she's talking about some of the stories that kind of the historical pieces of britain right uh, and how Britain became a thing, how England became a thing, how Wales became a thing, how Scotland became a thing, because obviously all of these kings and kingdoms that were vying for power needed their own origin stories. They needed to say, yes, this is why I am chosen, this is this is God's plan, and this is how we have become to own these areas, for lack of a better term, right? 
Um, and if you can do that, then brilliant. Your, your church will get behind you because you're saying the church legitimizes my rule. And so the church is going to be like, yes, that's brilliant. By doing that, that also legitimizes us. So it's a, we feed each other and provided that we're good, uh, things are great. And then when they're not, they're really bad. Um, anyway, some of the stuff that I started reading, uh, and you've already sort of seen a bit of that, is around the role of giants within um, British... I don't like using the word British or Britain, Britain, whatever, within um, the role of giants within UK culture, right? Because, and it's really interesting because it it talks a lot about um, Greek times and all those kind of points where we see migrations of people. So one of the first people who kind of came and settled in uh, Britain were the were Trojans, right? Within the within this isn't legitimate, this isn't historical, this is story based. Anyway, Trojans turn up, they're led by Brutus, um and uh which is why Britain comes into the name because it's Brute Ton or Brute Town, Brutus's town, Bruton, Britain, right? Anyway, he turns up after running away from Troy, thanks to the sacking and all that kind of thing, um, turns up and he is given a vision. This is where you should go, right? He turns up then on the shores and lo and behold, some giants are here already. These giants, the giants of Albia, who is a, a female giant, and she basically brings giants into the world, but also demons in a strange way. Um, they originate from Africa. Africa's too hot for them, and they go, it's too hot here, we need to go somewhere else, and she finds these stones which tell her where to go. They each pick up these stones, walk across nations, they cross theoretically the channel, the seas, and they come to um, what I think then is Ireland, and they place these rocks in Ireland. There's some historical pieces around it and, and things like that. But ultimately, those rocks that are placed by these giantesses are Stonehenge, right? So we still see those. We still see them today. If you drive down the West Coast, you'll always drive past it. Little Salisbury uh, Plains. It's weird that you can just drive past those things, by the way, because it's it's, they're, they're a few hundred metres away from you just as you're sort of going around your business just on the way to the zoo or something. Um, so those are the giants, right? One of these giants eventually goes a little bit bad. And he is defeated by a Pendrang, um, which is where we start to see Uther and Arthur, Pendragon, come into things, right? But he's defeated by somebody who was a knight, supposedly, of William the Conqueror, so here's the historical crossover pieces. And that giant's name was um, Gogamog. He basically kind of set up this strange circus, I suppose, that was designed to bring people into it to enjoy things. But in doing so 
kind of corrupt them and tempt them and turn them into giants. It's I mean it's it's a real loose loosey goosey story and this is different each time you read it in different things. But Gogamog was once killed and ejected out of Britain. Um he made a deal with an entity that gave him life rebirth and then put him into this festival capturing thing. And that entity is Beelzebub, right? So temptation. Um, and this is where we start to see those crossovers between the two. Anyway, I'm, I've gone on maybe a little too long, and I think I might have gone over my spoiler thing. So if you've just come back in, I'm still talking about it. Jump forwards another two minutes, maybe. So Gogamog is has been defeated, right? He is chilling underground and he has recently been allowed to put his influence into the world because of one of the crafts of Wayland the Smith interjecting some standing stones and the power that holds him under. His influence comes in, he's able to command some of the giant kin, start moving them to an area. Some more than others, those who are maybe more intelligent, like Kagog, begins to work for him and try and get stuff around to eventually basically get all of the crafts of Wayland and powerful items that they can to try and break the thing that holds him in place. It's, uh, I mean, it's not the most inspired story in the world. It's pretty much Lord of the Rings. Just go find five rings instead of one. Um, Which is where we're at at the moment. I think, theoretically, this episode would have been the one where you get a little bit more of that lore dump and that and that uh, extra background, what the hell's going on here. But obviously, alas, technical queries have forced us down this thing. So that's, that's the big bad. And then basically, I always operate, and I think I've said this before, get your big bad, work backwards. How would that affect things? And this is where we are. Um, yeah, that's that piece. What else do I want to talk about? Let's talk about followers, because the followers system is really good in this game. It really is. Um, if you've not got that book, if you've not picked it up, but you are aware that you're going to be running NPCs as um, you know members of the party, maybe you've got a little bit of a larger, more impactful party thing going on and you want more stuff to happen, then go and get, go and get this, because it's just so much easier for running... D&D, and having things basically pop off quicker. Um, yeah, I've talked about that. I mean, I'm loving... Calder's obviously the new Brynjolf, and I and I love both those characters. Um, Brynjolf, I think that I will be using that character as a, as a, you know, as an archetype in other games. Um, I'm not sure what my next character will be in the Lawhammer stuff that I'm doing, but... Should I have any impact or agency over how that character operates? I think that'll be the one that I roll with, um, which will be a fun fun thing to mess around with. Uh, Then something else that I was thinking about today with D&D, which I don't think we see enough of, is this thought, which I'm not really going to go into much, but I just think it's good to raise. If you're a DM or if you're a player and you want to suggest something to your DM, 
Why is it always the players that are the only party doing things? You know what I mean? What what I'm suggesting here is why aren't there multiple because this like we know that players get rich and we know that a lot of these environments that we live in it's a high fantasy piece and there's lots of people with similar skills. Why don't we see or or maybe or maybe people have answered this in your homebrew campaigns but it's a good question to ask. Why don't we see in the same way that we've got loads of different businesses out there trying to make cash, why don't we see other adventuring parties as much as we should in D&D games. I'm talking about your boys are all just uh, like walking along, they're doing their normal thing, they're just about to go to a tavern, and then you have a fireball go off, somebody runs out a thing, another another character runs up to them, hey, give me the thing that I need, we should do this, and they both like jump through a a, 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 a dimension door, and then you see a wizard come round and go, wait for me, guys, and they're picked up by the barbarian. And and I don't think we experience, or or I've not in games, seen the usage of other members of par- other party members, or other parties, sorry, effectively. That sound is the sound of um, a chainsaw being used outside. So I think I'm going to use that as my moment to bring this episode to a close. Thank you for listening, if you are still with me. Um, I appreciate that this is probably a little bit of a strange episode because it is just kind of stream of consciousness thing. Um, We're not going to wait two weeks. We're going to basically, as quickly as we can, get back on that. And once the internet's fixed at my brother's house we will crack on, get an episode out to you. It might not be a Friday, it will turn up whenever it turns up, but it's I'm, it'll be with you soon, basically. Um, thank you for listening, roll well, and we will see you as soon as technical difficulties allow. Bye!